Game of Thrones Season 5, Episode 8 is over, but we are just getting started to take your feedback here on the Game of Thrones feedback show on post-show recaps. And now, here are the two guys that once Danny stops the wheel and breaks the wheel, the two guys who will not be capable of putting the spare wheel on Westeros, Rob Sister and Antonio Mazzaro. Antonio, how are you? Rob, speak for yourself, man. I've changed many a tire in yeah. my day. Yeah, I, I've never had to do it, but I feel like I could. I feel like I've watched enough people do it. You're an LA guy. You're telling me you never drive? Yeah, that would have been better if Josh was here. Yeah, jo- oh, Josh couldn't. I mean, I don't think you're Josh a, could, You're yeah. a rugged guy, Antonio. Thanks, Rob. Yeah, I, I can actually grow facial hair unlike Josh. <laughs> yeah, I'm just gonna. We're, am I just gonna rip on Josh this whole time? You're a you're a man's man, man. Thanks, man. I yeah. appreciate that, man. Yeah. Thanks, man. All you're right, man's man, man. <laughs> anyway, so Antonio is here. Uh, Josh is on his way back from vacation soon, and we are here to talk about Game of Thrones season five, episode eight, and we have a fantastic episode of Game of Thrones. I've seen nothing but praise for this episode of Game of Thrones in the days following the airing on Sunday night, which is unusual for Game of Thrones. Yeah, nobody got unexpectedly raped. Uh, I mean, I guess there, I guess there's no expectedly raped, but there were no horrible, horrible things that happened to characters. This is something that I think everybody could, although I think the apparently the Washington Post review is really bad. I don't want to give them any airtime here, but somebody told me that they wrote a pretty like, oh, what a boring episode. It's like, what are they just trying to be outliers? Because yeah, I've seen a lot of talk, Rob, that this was the best episode of the series. Yeah, it was a really good episode. And even though I did, uh, I, I did nitpick. I am on the record of I thought that this, the conversation of you know John with the you know the, the going right back to it the the political stuff at at hard home uh, like a little bit you know not bad but I felt like it was a little a little snoozy. What about Ollie? And Ollie, of course. We don't need to go back to Ollie. We, but, well, I think we're going to go back to that Ollie. Being said, I, show, I right? think they, they more than made up for it with the closing minutes. So you're, you're not on best episode of the series. You're not on that train. <sighs> probably not. I probably wouldn't say it was the best episode of the series. I feel like that. But I think it's, it's in the conversation. Yeah. I mean, I really do think it's in the conversation. And we talked a little bit. Best of the season. Yeah, we've got definitely best of the season. We've got a, a few episodes, right? We've got Blackwater, which is a fantastic spectacle episode. I don't think you've seen too many other TV series episodes, period, like that. It really is reminiscent of things like The Lost Pilot because it's so big in scope. Mm-hmm. And then you've got the the Battle of the Wall, also another big crowd-pleasing kind of episode. Maybe not as good as Blackwater, but still very, very good. People really like the Reigns of Castor. Yeah, I, I don't know. That's probably, like, that's, that could be it. That's a, that's, I mean, can, but can, I, it's hard to think about what happens in that episode that isn't happening at the twins with the phrase and, and with the Starks. Yeah. Um, so that isn't, this is an episode that has a lot going on besides what happens at the end. We've got a great scene with Tyrion and Danny. So I can understand why people are looking at this and saying best episode of the series, but I think it's freshest in my recency bias, Rob, recency bias. Yeah. Recency bias. And again, someday, Long after Game of Thrones is over, we'll be able to make a definitive Game of Thrones ranking of the best episodes. But I have a feeling this will not be far from the top. Oh, man, I can't wait for Josh's Game of Thrones lives retrospective here on Virtual Recap. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. It'll be so great. It'll it, be so good. It was 30 years ago today. Reigns of Castamir was uh, first aired. But we're just getting started. Yeah, we're just getting started. <laughs> 
we're still we're still getting started. Uh, Game of Thrones lives. Yes, uh, even though Rob Sestrino has been dead for ten years. Oh my that gosh, is. he died changing a tire on the 105. <laughs> oh, it's tragic. It was a real it was a real red wedding. All right. Uh, that being said, Antonio, we are here to answer voicemail questions and hear what you guys have to say. Finally, you heard what we had to say about a lot of stuff. So you're gonna hear what you had to say and then what we had to say about what you had to say. Yeah. How, I mean, how is it that people leave us these voicemails, Rob? Is it magic? Well, there is some magic that goes into it. Again, I don't know the magic of the back end, but I here's what I know what happens. People go to postshowrecaps.com slash voicemail, and then they leave us a voicemail, and then it's magic what happens after that. Perfect. I think that, that there's, it's nice to know there's magic in the world. <laughs> there, the magic is coming back. For a long time, up until around like the mid-90s, all the magic in the world was gone. <laughs> and then in the mid-90s, people started, you know, there was being more and more magic devices that were being made. I love this. It's Steve Jobs, isn't it? That's who did it. <laughs> yes. That's who did it. Yep. That's who did it. It was a turning point. That was a real turning point for us. Yes. He was the, the one that they prophesized. Speaking of turning points, Rob, let's jump right in with the voicemail. Uh, this is from Steve Davis, and he, he's talking about this episode like we just were, and that's, uh, that's Hard Home. He wants to talk about, about this episode specifically. Okay. Take it away, SD. Hey, guys. It's Steve in Los Angeles. Do you think that we've hit the biggest turning point in the show? There have been many jaw-dropping political shockers that have changed the landscape in terms of famous houses, but Hardhome legitimately turned thrones upside down and puts a target on every person in Westeros. At what point does a non-Night's Watch member come to help? We thought that was Stannis. You know, if only they had camcorders and they can show the king what's going on up there. Yeah, yeah. We need iPhones, Rob. We need iPhones. We need a turning point. We need camcorders. We need something. We need something to happen. It's it's a great point that Steve brings up because it's we've talked about it for a long time of that nothing else matters if this is the number one threat. You know, it's house of cards if all of a sudden there's an asteroid careening towards the planet. You know, what's going on in the Democratic primary suddenly doesn't matter. Yeah, absolutely not. I mean, it, it, this is this is like now a, look, Antonio. I I, st I say that it still does matter. <laughs> you are entitled to nothing. Robert. You're entitled to nothing. Now I've got a plan to stop the asteroid, but my constituents, uh, they know that my plan is better than everybody else's plan. My plan to stop the asteroid is called America Works. <laughs> it's called <laughs> called Westeros Works. <laughs> yes. And I'm going to put everyone to work. Well, we're going to work on stopping this asteroid. <laughs> exactly. So, well, it's funny because this is not a spoiler, but the whole the whole idea behind uh, the behind Watchmen, uh, the very famous graphic novel and now movie, uh, is that maybe this great this one event could unify all of the differences in humanity and get everybody to put their swords aside for their petty battles that they're fighting and focus on some other thing. Right. And this is what's happening. Like Independence in Day. Yeah, like Independence Day. Perfect example. Perfect example. But uh, doesn't seem to be moving the needle much in Westeros, okay. does it? So instead of Tommen, we need Bill Pullman. We really, really do. We need, we need King Bull Pul Bill Pullman. <laughs> King Pullman, first of his name. First of his name. Yes. And Maester Jeff Goldblum. That would be fantastic. That, that would be, be fantastic. Yeah. And when, when maybe Will Smith could show up. I, there's a lot of great. Isn't Randy Quaid available? Yeah, he's too crazy, though. He's living beyond the wall. <laughs> he's a wildling for sure. Yeah. He's gone native. He might have got the grayscale. I think he probably has a cootie spot somewhere. Wade scale. 
Yeah, the Quaid scale. That's happened. That has absolutely happened. But uh, I don't know. We've got we've got a lot of possibilities here, Rob. We we talked about Throne Alone already. So I'm really liking Westeros Independence Day. Unfortunately, Antonio, here's how I think that this is going to happen. So John is going to come back and be like, uh, oh, my God, you won't believe what I saw. And they're going to be like, oh, crazy Jon Snow. Here he is. Uh, did, you, did your friends, the wildlings, tell you to say this, John, just so we'd let them in? And like, no, no, you have to believe me. Yeah, we actually had a really good email about that from Daniel Johnson. And Daniel said, how important is it, do we think, that Edison Tollett, who's John's companion at Hardhome, the guy Ed, um, survived the battle at Hardhome, so he can convince everyone letting the wildlings pass the wall is a good idea. And maybe that the Ollie scene that you hate so much, Rob, uh, is to summarize how everyone at the wall is feeling about the wildlings and Jon Snow's decision. But I mean, Daniel's some, uh, thinking maybe Ed being there is going to help. And do you think that's going to move the needle for these people at all? It's possible. I can't imagine he's a big enough character that if Jon Snow is saying one thing and like Sir Alistair Thorne is like, uh, John, you're crazy. You're, you've gone, you've gone mad. And, you know, why don't we leave you with your wildlings? Everybody, uh, who's with me? Who's with me? And I can't imagine that one guy is going to be like uh, the difference between everybody believing him or not. Like, no, he's right. Yeah, one poor dollarous sad man. He's just going to speak up and be like, I got a little bit of the dragon glass and I'm Jon Snow is right. You're Jon Snow's friend. You, you, I'm, not, I'm not listening to you, right? Like, that's not going to go very well. Yeah, they might have to throw out his testimony, Antonio. Yeah, it's just, it's too biased. It's going to get thrown right out. It's going to get thrown right out. Although maybe, maybe he can go testify before seven septons and then that'll work a little better. Maybe, but I definitely feel like there's going to be some sort of a pushback and Jon Snow's going to come back and say, uh, you guys won't believe what I saw. And they're like, okay, sure thing, crazy guy. <laughs> yeah, I, I just... You crazy I, bastard. Oh, wait, you saw dead people walking around? Yeah, I'm not really buying that. What yeah. else did you see? Oh, there was there were so there were silver people on horses. Yeah. And they just were walking around and they raised the dead literally. Oh, really? Tell me tell me more. Which tell ironically, more. I think is kind of what happens to Randy Quaid in Independence Day. I think like <laughs> right? This is that is yeah. this thing where yeah. he's like a drunk and he says like the aliens like abducted him or something and like nobody believes him and he just becomes like an alcoholic and stuff like that. Yeah, this is this is true. So maybe we're going to see Jon Snow go full Quaid. You never want to go full Quaid. Yes. Okay. Uh, and how high full is Quaid. full Quaid on the Quaid scale? Oh, I don't, that is as high as it gets, man. <laughs> <laughs> yes. On you, could a, jump, you could jump a wall at Winterfell so high. Does the Quaid scale go from Dennis to Randy? I think that's it. Do we know another Quaid? Uh, not off the top Evie, I think his wife's name is Evie Quaid. And I think that that is like the... When the thermometer, it's like on a, on a hot day in a cartoon, when like the thermometer bursts out at the top, like Evie Quaid is like the burst part that has already burst out of the really hot thermometer. Okay, there you go. So that, I mean, that is exactly what uh, what I think we're dealing with when we're talking about the, the Quaid scale. Um, it's funny because you, you talk about the kind of problems that we would have uh, at, at the wall. Uh, Dave Backer actually sent an email in uh, and said, you're the PR firm, Rob, for the Night's Watch. Following this most recent battle, what's your message to everyone south of the wall? Okay, good. I'm glad that the Night's Watch and has brought in Rob has a PR firm to talk about this because here's what, what I think that we need to do. You know, I've been talking about this for a while. I think we need to get rid of a lot of these rules of no wives, no, no whatever. Like, 
I always like to talk about on Star Trek Next Generation, but they uh, on the original Star Trek, like you couldn't have like a family or a wife or anything on the on the original Enterprise, and then on you know the Next Generation, then you could have your whole family live with you. So I feel like that's they need to like turn the wall into like you know condos and stuff like that, and make it a more inviting place for people to live. That's one, and then you recruitment would be up. But in terms of getting the message out, I think it needs to be a little bit more like um, we're all gonna die. I think that's probably the the key part that needs to go out. Yeah, I mean, I think so, but I feel like that message has already been sent, right? Uh, I think that- I feel like we I feel like we sent some ravens out to all sorts of different parts of the country. We saw that episode earlier this year where Jon Snow was rubber stamping letters, including one he sent to Roose Bolton, asking for more men and asking for more support at the wall because of all these horrible things that were happening. But I don't know. I, I, I don't know that anyone's really feeling it's that's how Stannis kind of found out what was going on, right? That's why Stannis marched north at all. But then Stannis got there and left. He got there and left. Well, I feel like that Stannis went there because of what they saw in the fire from Melisandre. Yeah, and that's true. I, I'm not sure what they're writing in these Raven letters. Like I feel like they're like, uh, hey, the wildlings are attacking. We need more men. And I feel like that's what they're saying as opposed to like, hey, the whites are coming and we need, we're all going to die. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, it, history is not very kind to people asking for help when the whites are invading. <laughs> yeah. It's just, you don't usually get a uh, very strong level of support when that's your message. <laughs> but you got to spell it differently. Oh, well, that's true. That's true. W-I-G-H-T-S. You're right. Yes, You're right. That's right. And but so, but what about, let, let's talk about the wildlings for a second. Uh, I actually, we, we had a, we had a voicemail from Jackie Tomer, who has a, a two-part question about some things that are going on in the North here. And I think both are relevant to what we're just discussing. Hi, Robin Antonio. It's Jackie. Hey, Jackie. And, uh, wow, what an episode. I thoroughly enjoyed this. It was my favorite episode so far this season, maybe of the whole series. One of my favorite scenes was uh, Tyrion and Danny. I just can't wait for that storyline to play out and for the dragons to come back on screen. But my question was, is it possible that um, Rickon is with the Wildlings and that John is going to find him there? Was he not with a Wildling girl when they separated from Bran? And um, do you think that they're setting up for somehow Ollie to do something to John? We've seen now twice that Ollie has mentioned how much he doesn't like this plan. Why are they bringing it up so much if there's not going to be some kind of confrontation? And I can't wait to hear Rob spout off about that. Thanks so much. <laughs> Bye-bye. <laughs> and, and just, just uh, to piggyback on Jackie, we had an email from uh, Justin Montmayer, and John, Justin thinks Ollie is clearly going to do something to screw John over. They've focused on him all season, even in scenes where he doesn't have a line of dialogue. They always show his reaction. And mm. Ollie, they're obviously setting him up for something. Uh, that that's what Justin said. We, had, I mean, just, we had a couple pieces of feedback like that because of because of our Ollie rant, and specifically your Ollie rant on Sunday night. So, do, what do you think? You think these people, like Justin and Jackie, are right on with this with Ollie? Is, are we building him up for something more? So help me God, if <laughs> Ollie does anything to screw over Jon Snow, really? I mean. W- He's not even a member of the Night's Watch. He's like an intern. He's yeah, the he's intern like of the Night's Watch. He really is. Yeah. And he's the worst intern ever. He's really bad. Well, I, he look, Rob, are we being a little hard on this guy? His family was murdered by Thens. Fine. 
<laughs> Fine. I'm sorry for him. I really am. I feel bad. I feel bad that that happened to him. But in the words of a wise man once said that some advice for Ollie, he needs to close his mouth, open his ears, and watch what happens. He's there to learn. Yeah, uh, I think that's true. He is there to learn. And I think that he, he really, he, I think he took Sam's words to heart this week where Sam said something to the effect of, you know, sometimes you have to do something that is unpopular, but that you know is right, uh, even though it's unpopular. And and Ollie kind of asked Sam, do you really believe that? And, and Sam was like, yeah, yeah, John will be safe. He'll be fine. And I think, you know, Ollie has loved Jon Snow and really kind of idolized him and looked up to him and taken care of him. And that is not a, not a terrible amount different than the relationship that John had uh, with Lord Commander Mormont, where Lord Commander Mormont was was kind of picked Jon Snow out and was going to kind of develop him and take care of him. And Jon Snow was always very, very contrite and very kind of, he was in line with what Lord Commander Mormont wanted to do most of but the time. big difference for me, that Jon Snow is the bastard son of Ned Stark. You know, that's a, a big, big difference between him and Ollie. And can I talk about Star Trek Next Generation one more time? Yeah, absolutely, okay. Rob. So, yeah, go for it, man. So <laughs> that Ollie is like the Wesley Crusher of the Night's Watch. And, and Wesley Crusher actually had a, a much better pedigree in that he was this super smart guy and he was the son of the ship's doctor and and Captain Picard had like a, a friendship with his with his dad and stuff like that. So he was like a friend of the family. Ollie is just some rando that just showed up. And Wesley wasn't like, you know, second guessing Captain Picard and like, uh, like, hey, Captain, uh, I got to say, like, uh, I don't know if you're making the right call here. You know, here's Ollie who, and I, I know people are going to get tired of me begging on Ollie, but why are we listening to any of his second guessing of what anybody is doing at the Night's Watch? It's true. It's true. Uh, he, he really needs to. You know nothing, Ollie. As you grit might tell him. Well, I'm thinking. I'm thinking maybe Rob that you were just so on Team you grit. You're upset with what Ollie did in in the Battle of the Wall. There, I feel like there may be a little residual kind of anger bubbling up to the surface here. Yeah, look, he had a nice moment. He had his moment of like he saved the day. Okay. He gave John the head nod. Great, thank you, Ollie. That that would that should have been fine. Check please on Ollie. You know we don't need him now as a character who's sort of like second guessing everything that's going on in the Night's Watch. Yeah, Chad, uh, Chad Shepard uh, tweeted that we had spent two minutes and 30 seconds uh, talking about Ollie on Sunday night, and they spent two minutes and seven seconds on him in the show. <laughs> so we're, we're, we're definitely for checking no. Ollie. But you know, this is funny because we had a voicemail that I think you should play now, Rob. Uh, and this voicemail, uh, this voicemail is, is probably, it's, 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 just, it's just from, it, the name here listed is Dan. Okay. And just one last thing about Ollie. You know, the fact that you told me he's not even in the books, that, that's the last straw for me. Yeah, I should say there is a character named Ollie in the books, but it is not like this. This is not, there's not, Jon Snow doesn't have some, there's a, there's like a, yeah, there's a small character named Ollie in the books. There's just, this is not a thing that's happening. Like, I was willing to go along with it if you told me like, no, well, hang in there on Ollie because, you know, this story is going to be important. But yeah, you told me they just made him up. Yeah, this is this is something that this this storyline uh, to be in like the Greek not, chorus not the of the books. wall. Yeah, forget yeah, him. Not in the books. All right. All right. So let's play this voicemail. Hello, this is Ollie calling from Castle Black. How dare you, Rob? How dare you insult me after my parents were murdered? You know, you you talk a big game, sit where you are, but 
You and I both know you would have been hiding with Gilly at the Battle of Castle Black. Whoa. I, I think that makes you the Robert that sucks. Oh, and if something happens to me, you can forget me doing an exit interview with you. Not happening. See you never, sucker. Ollie, how Ollie. dare you? Ollie, 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 the Robert that sucks. Yeah, look. Ollie is braver than me. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. He's, brave. He's a much braver kid than I am because I would not be so bold as to question the Lord Commander of the Night's Watch <laughs> after I saw him behead somebody recently who did the same thing. Oh, that's right. The man who he's, he's the man who delivers the sentence will deliver the sentence. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, this is going to happen. He's going to deliver the justice. I, I, if I'm Ollie, I, 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 I take very good heart of what Sam is saying. And Sam knows John better than anybody. And John, oh look, Ollie seems to be conflicted. Fine. Be conflicted. But let's, let's be real. Like we, I've seen theories on the internet where he's going to open the gates and just let the wildlings run through or, you know, he's going to do all these crazy things to get Jon Snow in trouble. Like this kid, I, I don't know. We'll, we'll just have to see, Rob. We'll yeah. just have to see. I, I don't want to spend too much more time on Ollie, but it's just, it was not working for me. Well, so let's, Jackie actually had, <laughs> back to Jackie. And if, and if we beat Jackie. up on Ollie too much, you know, worse than the Thens did, then Thens, people are going to start coming out to defend him. And, and I don't want that. You don't want it because we're just going to turn this into Ollie show recaps or post show. It's going to be all the Ollie defenders are going to come he, out. He's just setting up his uh, his early campaign for a throner, Rob. He's really looking for <laughs> best supporting Mr. Game of Thrones 2016. Yes, Mr. Game of Thrones is Ollie. He's the only he's Mr. the only Westeros. real candidate. Mr. Yeah. Westeros. Jackie actually had a, a second part to her question. The first part, actually, where she said, do you think Rickon is, is up there with the wildlings? He was taken away by a wildling woman. She seemed to be going in a different direction than Bran. Uh, Bran was going north, but that doesn't mean that she also wasn't going north. We haven't seen Rickon. Any any thoughts on that? Do you think he might be somewhere with these groups of wildlings that we've just encountered? You know, honestly, I don't remember where they said they were going. Were they going to one of the other castles on the on the wall? I think that's I think that's pretty easy to speculate. Yeah, that she might have been headed north to another spot on the wall. I don't think he's doing anything good. Otherwise, I think we would have seen a little bit more of this story. If yeah. anything interesting was happening. Yeah, and I think that's true. I think that's true. It is, it is hard because we want, it, it seems like the solution to this show and the solution to all these things that are happening has to inextricably involve the North, right? Like we talked, you've talked a lot on the podcast this season mm -hmm. about how the North is the new King's land. And about how what's going on in King's Landing, it hasn't been as King's Landing-y as the past. But what's happening in the North is very much, there's a lot of intrigue. It's very much central to what's happening in the show. Uh, we actually had a pretty good voicemail from Ian uh, about maybe a theory that could combine a couple things to, to make the North uh, play out a little bit uh, a little bit more significantly. Hey, all, this is Ian from Nash Vegas. I got a little theory for you all that that relates to kind of the big picture problems that are going on the show, and I think it involves our everyone's favorite hero, Sam. Sam's got ninety nine problems and a chick's one right now. He needs to keep reading, and he needs to get out of Hoff because you know those problems are going to wear him down. My theory: somehow John has just survived all these meth zombies. He somehow survived. Frozen Darth Maul. He somehow found a miraculous boat, even though a thousand other free folk and T-Pain couldn't get on a boat. John knows he needs to do something ASAP. So, rather than send everyone's lovable Sam to Old Town to learn more about this stuff, why can't 
he just sends Sam and all the scrolls that he can find and then a ton of drama mean to help the poor guy make it there and send him to Marine, help him to bring the mother of dragons back to where she's needed most at the wall. What do you guys think about that? Okay. Who was T-Pain? Uh, I think T-Pain never thought he'd be on a boat. I think that's a I'm a boat reference. I'm on a boat. <laughs> okay. I'm on a boat. Never thought I'd be on a boat. Like, like Which one of the people in the night? T-Pain is an American T-Pain. rap artist, Rob. Yes. <laughs> Okay. Famous for his auto-tuning voices. No, I, I know who I know who the guy is. Uh, I thought that he was maybe he was calling one of the people on the boat T Pain. Well, I think maybe could have been any of them. Could have been any of them. So I don't really know. But I think it's just the I'm on a boat reference to Lonely got it, Island. Got it. I, I was like, uh is it uh is it uh Tormund Giants Bane? Is he T Pain? Okay. <laughs> T Bane? Giants, Giants Bane. Yeah. G Bane. <laughs> That'll just be his that's his new nickname now, G Bane. Bane. All right. So send Sam to Marine. What do you think of this? I, I mean, it's not the worst plan that we had. We had Sam already been, had been told to kind of go South and get out of there. That's advice. Sam has been given this season. Uh, Stannis told him, keep reading, you know, so he's been given advice by Stannis that he needs to keep looking for information. It certainly seems like Sam's ability to, to gather information, learn things, find things will be helpful at some point. But the question is, what's the best way to make use of it, right? And we've already got Tyrion in in Meereen now, kind of serving as this vizier to Danny. I don't know. Samuel Tarley shows up there. I feel like he's going to get eaten alive. Yeah. I feel like the bigger problem, what's the round trip in Game of Thrones seasons of Sam from the wall to Meereen and back? I guess you figure on the way back, maybe he could ride on a dragon. And I don't know if Sam is a great candidate for riding on the dragon. I guess they don't even need to bring Sam back. I guess they could just like, he could just tell them to go there and then he could take a boat back or whatever. But you got to think that's at least like three seasons worth of travel. Yeah. uh, I mean, look, where's Gendry? Show me where Gendry is. He's still paddling to King's Landing, man. Yeah. That we don't uh, know. He's not making it easy. So uh, yeah, I don't, I don't put a lot of faith in Sam getting there easily and back. But maybe we could be on 24 rules, you know, where somebody can just pop across town in two seconds. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, that would be a great idea. And ultimately, you got to think that, you know, Danny and the dragons is ultimately what can beat back the White Walkers and the Whites and the Night's King and all all that stuff. You, You would have to feel like that is the inevitable conclusion of where this is going and maybe getting, you know, set up with Bran and maybe he could warg into one of the dragons and control them because Danny can't do it on her own and then comes in comes into Westeros. That feels like that's where this is all going. That being said, Game of Thrones and George R. R. Martin has a very impressive resume of messing yes. with what we expect to happen. Right. So yeah. We might just be falling into his trap of, okay, this is where it's all going. And then he is like, you are so being set up for something terrible. Yes. We're going, what other colors are there? And can we have any other like weddings? Can someone else get married? Yes. Like you are so being set up for when the whites just come down and take over all of Westeros. Oh no. Is that the white wedding? <laughs> the white wedding. Oh, we it's don't want that. Nice W-I-G-H-T gay for wedding. white wedding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We don't, we don't, I mean, that, that's, is that Gilly Idol? Is that who sings hey, that song? They told you in the first episode of the damn show 
winter is coming. <laughs> it's finally arrived. Yes. Yes, boy. In what a form of Gilly Idol. Yeah, Gilly Idol. <laughs> <laughs> it's a white wedding. W I G H T wedding. I, I'm, but that, that's funny. I mean, I'm. We'll we'll talk about this a ton on the Game of Thrones book club this week. Myself and Jessica Lee are are taking the reins of that much beloved property here on Post Show Recaps, and we're going to talk all the differences between the books and the show, and specifically. Uh, some of the things that we saw in the show tonight that or Sunday night that have not been really delved into in the books. And there's a lot of that. Uh, but yeah, there's a lot of theories about these whites and about the white walkers. And, you know, maybe a white wedding's possible. Who knows? Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. This is like in the reins of Castamere when you hear this music. Because everybody yeah. needs to run for it. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> It's a white wedding. It's a not a nice day. <laughs> it's a very bad day. Very Billy bad. Idol is here. This is terrible. What are we going to do? I don't know. It's so weird. Is it the wedding singer? <laughs> yes. Yeah. I. It, it will be very. It'll be very interesting to see. Um. To see what I, you are one hundred percent correct, Rob. I think, and this is not a spoiler from the books or anything. It's just it makes a lot of sense. That Danny has dragons, dragons melt ice. Uh, then maybe if you can't take on these White Walkers with with you know blades or hand to hand, that you just fly a few dragons over them and just melt the crap out of them, and that's fine. I feel like that's what everyone assumes uh, is is going to happen uh, based on just logic. But you're one hundred percent correct that if George R. R. Martin is anything, uh, he's a person who denies you what you want and. I don't know that we can expect it. It seems like you're right. seems like the right solution, but I don't know that it's a solution that we're going to necessarily get. And I'm not sure, to be perfectly honest, in response to Ian's question, I'm not sure Sam's the guy you send to bring her back to Westeros and be like, come right to the wall. I'm just not sure. I feel like Jon Snow is going to make that happen a lot more than Sam. Than Sam. Mm -hmm. And wouldn't it be very Game of Thrones for this to all happen and then the dragons come, they come to the wall and then like Night's King like kills the dragons. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, just grabs some giant ice sword and throws it in and kills, kills all three dragons. Oh my God. <laughs> oh no. Oh no. Everyone run. Okay. Uh, very sad. <laughs> very sad story from uh, Gilly <laughs> Idol and uh, George Gilly R. R. Martin. Okay. Yeah. All right, what's next, Antonio? Well, I mean, let's stay let's stay talking about Danny. Um, we had we had a, a question from Dave Backer. Dave Backer wanted to know uh, if could we see Varys joining Tyrion to form the initial small council for Danny? And I think piggying off, piggybacking off of that, Andrew Drew M nine eight seven on Twitter uh, sent us a pretty good question where he basically said, at this point in the show, after the conversation Danny and Tyrion had during the Hard Home episode. Do you think the writers want us to believe that Daenerys is on the path of becoming a mad queen, a great ruler slash savior, or somewhere in between? And will Tyrion aid her on her quest and guide her into being a great ruler, or will he end up sending her down a path of madness? So what's the, what's the play for Danny here, Rob? Is she on the right track with Tyrion? Are, are we, if we're doing her, her approval rating as a ruler, is it ticking up now that Tyrion is there? And is Varys the answer to really push the ball even further down the court? Yeah, I think that the show is, and I don't want to get too far into like reading the edit 
but I feel like that... <laughs> and that winner's edit? Yeah, I feel like that the editing on Danny has been uh, very OTT uh, positive, right? I think so, for sure. <laughs> it's been very positive. And, and the editing on Tyrion has always been very positive. Yes. And I feel like the edit for Varys has also been similarly positive. So I think if you have all of these characters that the edit has been very, very much in favor of throughout the history of the show, I think if you have them all together, I feel like that can only be a good thing. But I think Andrew might be onto something because we earlier in this season, we saw Danny essentially shove one of the heads of the high houses into her dragons and, and light the guy up and roast him for dinner. And she wasn't even 100% sure that that guy was directly connected to the Sons of the Harpy. She just threw him into a fire. And man, those Targaryens like to watch people burn. That's true. And that is not a... That is not... Yeah, look, I think most people would say that that action was perhaps defensible in some respects because maybe that guy was pretty linked to the Sons of the Harpy or whatever. But that's not that far from what the Mad King would do. And, and no, the guy wasn't in a suit of armor, but it was basically a very Targaryen-esque move by Danny. And there are a couple other moments where she really wants to kind of put the vice or put the squeeze on people. And we had the interesting pillow talk between her uh, I think her, we, you and I did, Antonio? Yeah, you and I had that interesting pillow talk. <laughs> we, were, we were talking about Game of Thrones right before we went to yes. sleep. God, don't tell Josh. He'll be very jealous. Yes. Um, no, th- th- I, it was not as necessarily interesting in the moment, but the scene between Danny and Dario, where he tells her, look, I would get all these people together in one big place and I'd just kill them all at once. And that is sort of the devil on her shoulder if Tyrion's being the angel. So I think Andrew has a really good question here about whether... Danny is on the path of becoming a mad queen, a great ruler and savior, or somewhere in between. And I think I would fall on the somewhere in between. I just, this show does not exist in, in, in the, you know, black and white. There's a lot of moral gray on this show. And I think she's somewhere in between. I think that's where we're headed with her. I think that she definitely has those tendencies, but I feel like that Tyrion back there as an advisor to her, I think is going to help keep her from going off into the abyss. I feel like Sir Barristan was probably in that role, you know, previously. And then with him being gone, I think that, you know, Dario, while, you know, is a hell of a guy. I don't think that he is the right voice to be in her ear. No, he's more of a warlord, right? He's he's more of the the, the kind of guy who would be her sergeant at arms, like an actual guy that's fighting for her. Uh, the rest of these people are, are more in an advisory kind of small council role where they're providing her with diplomatic solutions. Murdering everyone is not typically seen as a diplomatic solution. Right? Mm-hmm. So it's more of a, more of a kind of a violent resort. So yeah, she needs to learn how to be a little more diplomatic. What did you make of the talk of Varys? I know you're a big Varys guy, Rob. We talked a little bit about this on Sunday night. Uh, Danny didn't really trust Varys and Tyrion does say, he, he says he trusts Varys more than anyone. Probably he in the world, he trusts Varys other than his brother. Wow. Yeah. Would, are, do you think Varys has earned that trust? Is this somebody that, that, that Tyrion should be trusting like this and Danny, And you think this is something that might come back to bite them? Well, when we talk about damning with faint praise, this might be exactly what we're thinking of, of all the people that Tyrion trusts in the world. I mean, could you, could you name them? I mean, who were in Tyrion's inner circle? You had Shay, you had Bronn, you know, Jamie yeah. is the one is the Sansa, one of the room. maybe a little yeah, bit Sansa Jamie. and he doesn't even and he for all he knows, Sansa killed Joffrey and set him up to take the fall. Right. You, you know, there's nobody that he knows that has not betrayed him. You make a fair point, Rob. Varys and Varys 
testified against him. Yeah. In the trial. So he, even the one person that he trusts more than anybody is still kind of screwed him over. Now, he's done a make good, Varys. He's, you know, got him out of King's Landing and out of Westeros, and he's done right by him. But still, you know, there's nobody else that he even knows that hasn't screwed a pod. I, I would say pod. I think he, that's the one person that is, he's missing. I think he's a little bit of a white lie. Got to trust pod more than Barris. Yeah. Any port in a storm though, I guess I think you're right. I think that Tyrion hasn't exactly been in a position to trust anyone. So you're right. The list is not super long of people that could jump over or Varys on that list, but I don't know, man, I don't trust spiders. Varys is a spider. I'm not, uh, I, I, he has this reputation as being this guy who is kind of underhanded. He's a spy. He's double dealing all over the place, talking out of both sides of his mouth. You're right. He did testify against Tyrion at the trial, but as part of his testimony, he basically said, I'll, I, I'll never forget that you saved the city. Like, unfortunately, I won't forget that because it's hurt. It's hurting Varys, I think, in that moment to testify against against Tyrion. So I do think his motives are pure, but I'm not sure that there's any real good reason to trust Varys other than you're right. He did get Tyrion out of King's Landing. So he has some other other motive in play that maybe it is really for the realm, like he said. I don't know. It's a, I think it's a very interesting character to track, and we have not had nearly enough Varys in this season. Not enough. Very underused. Very underused. And yeah. I don't know. I don't know exactly where we're going to go, uh, where we're going to go with that next. Can um, I ask a question? But, is yeah, this, please. Is he this underused in the book? Did, he, did, did this all happen pretty similarly? No, I, it, it it plays out a lot differently. Um, Tyrion's kind of journey to, to be perfectly honest, where the books are, Tyrion. This scene with Tyrion and Danny has not happened. Oh, yeah. yeah. So we're ahead of that. We spend a lot more time, and and including a lot of characters who didn't make the edit on the show. Um, we spend a lot more time on Tyrion's journey to where he is now, uh, and and a lot more of that is in the show and there's a whole side plot uh, of another of another set of characters that Varys is involved with that has not been included on the show. I only hesitate to get into more detail about it because it might I suppose be it is show. possible yeah. it could be in season okay, 6. Okay, no, but then, but I appreciate you indulging me. Yeah, yeah. And and so we I think in service of that plot not being here, um we don't have Varys. Uh, and whether or not we'll get more Varys and how he'll pop up next, I think we're all kind of on the lookout, but yeah, that's just something we'll have to uh, we'll have to keep our eyes peeled for because I know both you and I would really like to see him come back. We miss him. Okay. We do miss him. All right. Uh, speaking of things that we miss, I don't know how much we miss this guy. Let's uh, not the voicemail. We we love this guy. We love first of his name, uh, Omri, his voicemail. But he wants to talk about a character who's back. Guess who's back? Hey, Robin Antonio, how's it going? This is Omri from Jerusalem. First of my name. So Uncle Kevin is back. And he's in no hurry to free Cersei from prison, which is completely understandable considering how she treated him last time we saw him. What I want to know is how is he going to react to seeing the Faith Militia in control of King's Landing? Because as we remember from the premiere, when he talked to Cersei, he's no fan of the Sparrows. And I don't know if the City Watch didn't take care of the Sparrows simply because Cersei told them not to, or maybe because they don't have enough manpower. But Kevin is in command of the Lannister army, which definitely has enough power to take back King's Landing. So you think, that is that what he's going to do? Is he going to take King's Landing back from the Sparrows? Okay, here's Kevin Lannister. He's back. Yes. He's back. Yes. Uh, you know, I struggle with Kevin Lannister because Kevin Lannister is more important in the books than he is on the TV show, correct? Yeah, but he does play a much bigger role in the books. You know, in I have now heard through 
most of a storm of swords. And there's like lots of stuff like there's where Kevin Lannister is like, you know, going to visit Tyrion in his cell during the trial. And they gave that stuff to Jamie Lannister. It was like the show has really gone out of its way to minimize Kevin Lannister. Yeah, I think that's right. So I can't see Kevin Lannister playing a big role here. Yeah, I, I think that that's true. It is interesting that Kevin has not gone down to visit Cersei, that he's not coming in there, that he's back in town. And he, he appears to be at least the one with his hand on the wheel of, of King Tommen's great reign. But he doesn't, he doesn't seem to be making a lot of time to go visit Cersei. So she's really not in his good graces. And it, I think Omri's right to observe that early on in the season when we did see Uncle Kevin, he was talking about how much he disrespected the Sparrows and how much he didn't like that his son, Lancel Lannister, was part of what was going on there. So I think it is plausible that Kevin could make a move against the faith militant. But I mean, if Kevin hasn't been down to see Cersei, maybe he doesn't have the biggest problem with what's happened so far. Hmm. Yeah. And he's totally fine with whatever is going on with her. And she, you know, talked a big game to him and he's like, okay, well now you, you made your mess. You have to lay in it. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, he's much better off as a result of what's happened to Cersei. He gets to essentially control puppet King Tommen. And he get in Tommen, if if we're to be believed, if 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 Master Kyburn is to believe, is to be believed, then then Tommen is just despondent in his chamber and not eating the food that's there. He's thrown alone for sure. And and so if Kevin sad. if yeah, it's really sad. Poor, poor little Tommen. He has no Sir Pounce, he has no Marjorie, he has no mommy, uh, and and no Game Boy. It's pretty rough up there for for King Tommen. But Uncle Kevin comes into the mix and he could probably just control what's happening uh, in the throne. I mean, he's essentially the king uh, in, in all but name, the king regent, uh, ultimately, like Cersei was being the queen regent. So uh, it, it's not a bad deal for Uncle Kevin. Uh, he doesn't really, we don't know what his small council looks like, but why would he want to get Cersei out of jail? Why would he want to fight all these people away? He's got a, his life is fine, Rob. Yeah, his life is fine. What does he need to get Cersei out for? Yeah, I mean, it's going to have, uh, I think that that's going to be, it's gonna, Cersei's, in, Cersei's in a pretty tough spot. Let's go to a voicemail from Matt Campbell about this tough spot. Okay, here we go. Robbie McGill, Antonio Goodman, I thought I'd better call as I need your legal counsel. Okay. So the laws and practices of the faith aren't quite in conjunction with those of the seven kingdoms, but let's say the faith finds Cersei guilty of incest and hypothetically also, John Aaron and Ned Starks it by deducing her kids are a product of incest too. Does that ruling carry over to Westerosi law and Tommen gets replaced by Stannis on the throne? Or would the Seven Kingdoms need to hold their own trial to get proof? Also, would one one the giant be involved in any way? Thanks, guys. <laughs> okay. I, didn't, I didn't know we were going to get a conflict of laws question, Rob, on the feedback show. Yeah, well, Antonio, you are the legal expert. Have you studied Westerosi law? I no, I don't have my LLM in Westerosi law. I, I'm not advanced in that su in that study area. And conflict of laws is always a very difficult subject matter. But uh, I think this is interesting. We don't really know. So let's let's look at the details that we've got. Cersei is going to go on trial in front of seven septons. One of the septons is going to be the High Sparrow. We know that for sure. We also know that if she if she if she confesses. And if she begs for the mother's mercy, then her punishment is going to be less than it could be if she was found guilty at trial. Okay. So we know that. 
We also know from what Kyburn said that they have a pretty good case against her, and we know the charges are serious. However, I didn't, I didn't take from the show that the incest charge was a charge of incest with Jamie. I took it that it was going to be a charge of incest with the witness that they had, which was Lancel. Hmm. Okay. In other words, I don't think her trial is going to put King Tommen in jeopardy because I don't think she's putting, being put on trial for incest with Jamie. I think she's being put on trial for incest with Lancel. And then she's also being put on trial for treason, which is part of her conspiracy to murder King Robert. She's putting, being put on trial for killing King Robert, ultimately, uh, and fornication. So incest and fornication kind of uh, conjoined crimes there. Yeah. So I think she's not really being put on trial for, what, for what's gone on with Jamie. I don't think that we have a witness to confirm that. Uh, I don't think that's what this, this, uh, the Septons are going to be putting her on trial for. So I don't think the legitimacy of Tommen and Marcella is in jeopardy yet. That doesn't mean it couldn't be. Yeah. Uh, but we'd have to get somebody up there to testify as to, as to that incest. We have at least one witness, but he's living under a tree somewhere north of the wall. Yeah. We haven't seen him at all this season, and I don't know if the courtroom will be big enough to hold a 10-foot tall boy. Yeah. Look, I will defer to your expertise on this. I just kind of feel like once you have her up on the witness stand and there's all these other rumors of all these other things, like, don't these other things come into the trial? Like, you know, if there's all these rumors of di of different things that people have done and then you get them for like the traffic ticket, can't, don't you, while you have them, kind of bring up the other stuff? Yeah, I mean, they're, they're, <laughs> let's, it, it's a good question uh, because she puts herself on the stand in terms of normal law. She may be opening the door uh, to talk about some things that she doesn't want to talk about because her credibility could come into question and then they could really hammer her to question her credibility. And all, all, all of it would be valid because she put herself up there and represented that she had credibility. I don't know. I, I'm not getting the sense that Cersei is ready to take this on. We, we had a kind of a feedback question during the podcast on Sunday night about whether we might see another trial by combat. You, you wanted no part of that. We've been there, done that. A trial by combat I'd be open to, but I don't think we're going to get that. Just, it's more the trial itself. You know, if she said, okay, let me get trial by combat, like, I I'd be fine with that. What if she gets trial by combat and she gets that reanimated monster, uh, whatever it is, the reanimated mm. Frankenmountain or Frankengregor to fight for her? Is that something that, that, that makes you a little bit more interested to see that trial by combat? Yes, yes. But who would be the champion for the Faith Militant? That's a good question. Maybe Lancel. Uh, maybe imagine uh, Lancel is fighting for the Faith Militant. <laughs> maybe the High Sparrow has some ninja moves. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Boy. Maybe Oberyn's ghost comes back and fight. <laughs> oh, that would be good. Yeah. Just is a headless, nearly fully headless Oberyn. Yeah, say her back. name. Yeah. Yes. Wow. No, that would be that would be a that would be a real surprise, Rob. That would be a real surprise. Yeah. Okay. What else you got, Antonio? Well, we didn't have uh we didn't have too many questions about this, but I'm I'm curious what your thoughts are. John Santucci tweeted, is Ramsey leaving with 20 men? Just so Sansa can get that candle up into the broken towers window. Ooh, and, and I think that I, that's a that's a very it's that's is Ramsay leaving a very convenient thing to happen. What what do you think? We we talked a little bit about this on Sunday, but I, I rewatched the episode and I, that scene is so short, and I don't know that we get really any sense of what Ramsay's plan is going to be. Do you do you have any further thoughts on how he expects to take twenty men and stop the entire invading force? of Stannis' army right in their tracks? 
No, I, I have no idea, but I do feel like that Ramsey Bolton, his moves are like, he, he'll put on a disguise. He'll be like, pretend to be one of Stannis's men and then like, you know, slit Stannis's throat while he's sleeping. He is a, a real tricky customer. Yeah. Uh, there, so really anything is possible. I, I think it's interesting because Stannis has Melisandre with him. He has Shireen with him. Melisandre has already expressed a desire to sacrifice Shireen. None of Stannis's people, as far as I can tell, are left at the wall. They're all gone, including Melisandre. She is potentially a weapon. Uh, she can see things. She can theoretically, things can happen. Um, we, had a, uh, we had an email from Marcus last week that pointed out that Melisandre and Stannis had previously dropped three leeches into the fire. One was on Rob Stark. He was stabbed. Yeah. One was on Joffrey. He was poisoned. And the third one was on Balon Greyjoy. Balon Greyjoy. Yes, right. yes, yes. So we don't have an update on old Balon Greyjoy, but uh, right. I don't know if that if that magic's still floating around out there, mm-hmm. if her magic doesn't work. But uh, but she could come into play with Stannis for sure. And if there's some way for Ramsay to take her out or to to make a move against her, I think that would be one way to really deflate Stannis's whole cause. Deflate gate. Deflate gate. Let's deflate gate. Let's make it happen. See what the Lord of Light says about that. Yeah. I don't know. I just, I, I don't know what he's going to do with 20 people like that. He, that he's, that he can undo Stannis's whole force. Uh, but I think it could be Rob Stark had a lot of uh, success on the battlefield with tactics, with making plans and doing kind of raids and sneak attacks and flanking and all these sorts of things that really served Rob Stark well on the battlefield. I don't have the sense that Ramsey's like that, but you're right. He's a little bit more of a mummer. Like he can put on a farce or, Act it up a little bit. Pretend to be somebody. Or, you Pretend know. to be somebody. Do something crazy like that. That is entirely possible. So maybe he'll be some poor farm boy who they meet on the roads who needs to be taken in uh, and he'll fight for the cause. And then he'll just, he'll have all the plans and he'll send, you know, messages back to Reek or something like that. Like maybe he's going to go undercover. Maybe that's going to happen. Yeah. Okay. So I, there's only one more real question here, and this is from Nick D'Angio. And Nick wanted to know, uh, with next week, it's the infamous episode nine, mm-hmm. which always seems to have a game-changing, shocking, or epic moment. Yeah. But where will it happen, Rob? Are we going to have the trial at King's Landing? Are we going to have a big gladiator fight in Meereen? Maybe a battle near Winterfell with Stannis and Ramsay? Or will the King of Surprises, Sergeant Dokes, make an appearance? <laughs> I feel <laughs> like... Game of Thrones surprised us. They gave us the the big crazy episode a week early. I think they put think it here true. in episode eight instead of episode nine. I think they I said, think "Oh, everybody's going to be waiting for it next week. We'll give it. We'll sneak it in and give it to them this week." Surprise, yeah. mother effers! <laughs> what 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 really big could happen at at Meereen? Like, what are we going to see there? Sir Jorah is going to fight in the fighting pits in front of Danny and have some big romantic epic moment. Look like in the previews there was some sort of a big gathering for the fighting pit. Seems like the yeah. fighting pit is where it's all going to happen. So that's going to be in play. I guess we could have a trial at King's Landing. We could have Cersei's trial. She could go on trial and and stand. She hasn't really even had her arraignment yet. We saw when Loras and Marjorie were kind of put on put the put the screws to uh, trial wise. They uh, they had to sit in that room and, and listen to the witnesses' testimony against them and really kind of speak up for or against what was happening, the arraignment, if you will. Cersei never had that. So maybe we'll see that scene and something big will happen. Um, I don't. That doesn't seem like a game-changer, drop-the-mic moment. I, I think you're right. I think seeing the Night's King raising his hands on the edge of that dock and staring at Jon while he did it in that sort of silent, 
icy atmosphere. Yeah. That's that's the thing. That's the that's the thing, right? By the way, did, did you watch the clip with the Kirby Enthusiasm credit music for that scene? Yes, and I laughed so hard. It was very funny. Yes. It was very funny. So if, funny. If you didn't see that clip, somebody took like the Kirby Enthusiasm like closing theme and like oh, as yeah, as the boat is pulling away, you hear like the music because like every Kirby Enthusiasm episode ends with like something bad happening to Larry. Yep, oh, it's a Prius. Yeah, a Prius boat. <laughs> it's very funny. Yeah, that was really really funny because it was just it was that kind of moment where like somebody's looking at somebody and somebody's looking at somebody else and then the music kicks in. It's really <laughs> pretty good. Pretty, pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah. Yes. So so yeah, I think that about wraps it up, Rob. All right. Well. Great job, Antonio. Thank you. If we're going to throw out a hashtag here, what do you, what do you want? You want you want Quaid scale or you want Gilly Idol? I love Gilly Idol. Who does who doesn't love a little Gilly Idol? Yes. All right. Well, Antonio, great job. Now you are just getting started talking about Game of Thrones this week, right? Because you are getting ready for the Game of Thrones book club. We're doing the book club this week. So We've already got uh, several really good questions sent in uh, on our feedback uh, on the feedback side at postshowrecaps.com. Uh, please continue to submit those. Do put book club in the subject line so Rob doesn't get spoiled when he sees the feedback emails coming in. Jessica Lee and I are going to record that Thursday night. So you still have a little bit of time uh, to get your voice or to get your feedback in. You can also leave us a voicemail just like you can normally here at postshowrecaps.com. But you do send your feedback or or just tweet at us and let us know your questions for the book club. We can't wait to get into it. Yeah. And if you're going to record on Thursday night, look for it like some either late Friday or sometime on Saturday. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. We, gotta, we, got to, we got to take some time. We got to make sure we're not putting anything in here that even book readers don't know, Rob. <laughs> that's right. That's right. All right. So great job, Antonio. I really appreciate you uh, stepping up over these last couple of episodes of Game of Thrones. It's been so nice. I think you've been the good luck charm with Game of Thrones this season because I, that you you popped on and uh, we probably had two of the better episodes, certainly the best episode and maybe the second best episode of the season these last two weeks. What can I say, Rob? If you if if Josh is back next week and it's all Ollie all the time, <laughs> you have me back for the finale, and I bet you Ollie will die in a ball of fire. Yeah. Whoa. All right. <laughs> will do. Will do. All right. You can follow Antonio on Twitter. He's at AC Mizarro. That's with two Z's. And one R. You got it. All right. I'm at Rob Sister. You know, make sure you leave us your feedback on the feedback show at postshowrecaps.com. And you could subscribe at postshowrecaps.com slash G-O-T iTunes. All right. Antonio, anything else coming up this week? Uh, we just released a podcast where Mike Bloom, myself, and Colin Stone of the Great Dom and Colin podcast talked about The Wire in retrospective form. The Wire is... Uh, just being released on Blu-ray in in new definition. Uh, it's totally same show, but a different look. And so we're taking a second look at The Wire. So if you're a fan of that show, definitely check out that podcast here at postshowrecaps.com. Mike Blue and myself will also be wrapping up this great season of community uh, sometime within the next few days. So be on the lookout in the next week for a podcast about that. All right, great stuff. Looking forward to Sunday night. I'll be back with Josh Wiggler at 10.15 p.m. Eastern to talk about Game of Thrones Season 5, Episode 9 here on postshowrecaps.com. Have a great one, everybody. We'll talk to you again soon. Bye.